Alright guys, welcome to ARWP, the All Real Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, Eric Novak of the Wrestling Republic, and today we have a special guest. He is the son of wrestling legend Buddy Wayne, and the youngest wrestler to be considered All Elite. This is Nick Wayne. What's up you guys, how are you? Man, it's an honor to have you. We got a lot to talk about. You've been doing quite a lot for yourself, and I'm just surprised you got time in your busy schedule to make it. Uh, thank you so much for having me, man. I'm very happy I get to spend this time with you and get to talk about some stuff. I can't wait. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about the reason why you decided to become a pro wrestler. All right. Um, so pretty much um, my dad, like you said, um, Buddy Wayne, growing up as a kid, he had a, we had a wrestling school at our house. And um, when I was a kid and my dad would go train these students like three times a week, I would go out there and I would watch training growing up as a kid. And uh, when there wasn't training going on, there was some type of wrestling around us, whether it be playing on the TV or playing on some type of device. Um, I was just constantly around wrestling and constantly looking at different types of wrestling. So it's like, how could you not like fall in love with it? You know what I mean? And um, just growing up over the years and consistently seeing wrestling, I was just like, this is really like what I want to do. You know what I mean? So kind of growing up around the business and being around like a, wrestling training and just wrestling constantly it just like grew on me you know what i mean yeah what was your earliest memory of wrestling earliest memory of wrestling um probably when i was younger about like six seven eight years old uh when training would be going on i would watch the class and then when class would end myself and i would do what the like what i saw the other guys do and what they were learning but i would kind of just do it by myself and um eventually of just doing stuff by myself for a few years i told my dad i was like i want to like get in there and like really train with the guys so once i was nine years old i bought my first pair of wrestling shoes uh the elbow pads the knee pads and he was like all right let's do it and then i started training with the students when i was nine years old you guys send me a photo of that i gotta put that up for everyone to see that's that's awesome nine years old I have a little brother that's yes. eight years old. I can't imagine him wrestling in nine. That's crazy. <laughs> wow. Okay. That's awesome. So what kind, what was your what was like the gear? What did you what did you have? Um, so when I first started training, um, I had elbow pads and knee pads and just like ASIC wrestling shoes. Um kind of just training in that all the time, just like protect my elbows, protect my knees while I'm still young and stuff. Um but then when I had my first match when I was 12 years old in Canada, it was like a very like, I want to say last second call, but definitely like didn't know far in advance to get real gear for it. So I wore like vol- like white volleyball and knee pads, um, borrowed someone's white kick pads. Uh, I had these like white Nike spandex. It was like just like an all white fit, these white armbands. Um, but just like stuff that you could find at like a, like a big five. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was actually going to bring up a, a match similar to the way you're describing. It was against uh, Nick Radford, you know. Um, mm. So here's, here's what blows my mind. I've been a wrestling fan for a while, and I've seen a lot of my favorites. I've seen a lot of their past stuff, but never as young as I could see your stuff. Like you were 12 years old when that match happened, and you won that match, and it was full of a nice live crowd. I have never seen anyone at 12 years old have, you know, video footage of their matches and stuff like that. You're the only person that I've seen. What does that mean to you that you can literally look back at when you were 12 and you were much smaller than your opponents and you won? 
Um, I'm very blessed to have had like that footage on camera, whether it be picture or video form. Um, just so like years from now, I can really look at it and be like, man, like I was doing this at like super young, you know what I mean? And like, um, thankfully for like this generation in this day and age, we have a lot of different types of videography or photography to where like you can capture almost every moment. So I'm very blessed to have had those things at a young age to be able to like look back at it when I'm older, even look back at it now and just like really like cherish those memories, you know? Yeah, yeah, the gear that you wore in that is very similar to the one that uh, you wore against Swerve. Like, um, the one you wore against Swerve is much more updated, but it was the same color pattern, same design. Was that on purpose? Did you want to replicate one of like your original gears at that time? Um, that wasn't like uh, well, like uh, so the gear you're talking about when I was twelve was white and pink because yeah. like bright pink, neon, hot pink is like one of my favorite colors, mm -hmm. and um. It's just always been so like flashy to me and just like such like a pretty color. Um, so going into the swerve match, uh, it wasn't like purposely to like uh, be like uh, an homage to my old gear. But now that you picture it, I could definitely see that. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> that's cool. But I just I've always loved the color pink. I have a few sets of gear that have pink incorporated in it. I just think it's such like a pretty color. Yeah, no, it looked amazing. I loved it, and I loved seeing it against you and Bandito. You brought it, and I like that you use it at a rare occasion, too. You bring it back for only, like, rare, rare moments, and I really like to see that. But, yeah, that gear was amazing, and so was the your first gear when you were 12 against the, the white and pink one. That was also really cool. Thank you so much. <laughs> of course. So let's talk about one of your, like, favorite wrestling legends. Like, when you were watching TV, I'm sure there were people that you wanted to admire yourself from or just copy certain things that other people had. Was there anyone that in particular that you were always watching? My all-time favorite wrestler is uh, Eddie Guerrero. He's just like, he's, he, in my eyes, he was just able to do things in the ring that are just so, like, crisp, you know? It's like every time you saw Eddie Guerrero get in the ring, it was always just, like, phenomenal wrestling, you know? And uh, so growing up as a kid, I loved Eddie Guerrero since, like, day one. Um, but when it comes to, like, um kind of the way I am in the ring, moveset-wise, inspiration. My very biggest one, I would say, is Will Ospreay. Um, when I first discovered who Will Ospreay was, I was very young. I discovered him, I think, either at a Progress show or a PWG show. But when I first discovered who he was, I was absolutely mind-blown by what he did. Just, like, the, the aerial offense was just so jaw-dropping and mind-blowing. And, like, at the time, like, nobody else was doing that. So, like, to be – to see that – and just, like, the way I reacted to it, I was like, man, I really want to be like this. Like, watching his stuff really motivated me to, like, take risks and do, like, very high-flying stuff and be, like, that crisp in the ring and be able to do stuff like that. So he is definitely a very big inspiration to my moveset and how I am in the ring, absolutely. So with that being said, you know, having matches like him and doing all that, when I was, you know, when he came on the show, we talked, he told me he was battling a lot of injuries massive injuries is that ever something that you're worried about that you know because you want to do what he did in in the future it's not going to be beneficial for your back neck this and that is there ever any type of worry for you or do you just don't think about that uh i actually i worry and think about it every day of my life <laughs> um good. i tr i try to help out my body as much as i can when I'm free, um, whether that be acupuncture or cupping therapy or 
cryotherapy, even just like a massage. Um, I really worry about that stuff because starting at like a young age and still at this moment right now, my body is still growing and developing into itself. And wrestling is obviously something that's not easy on your body. It's a very hard wear and tear. Uh, after every match, your body is like as if it just got in a car wreck. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So being at such a young age and my body's still growing and developing and me damaging it at the same time, my body's probably like, dude, what are you doing? You know what I mean? Um, but I definitely worry about that stuff. Um, but I just try to take care of myself as much as I can on my off time. Um, yeah, man, I, I think about that a lot. And it's something that scares me, but I, I got to take advantage of it and just get like help out myself as much as I can, really. And uh, my body type as well. I talked to some physical therapists. They said my body type, I believe, is called an ectomorph, where I don't have a lot of mass on my body. So the, the bumps and the hits are going to affect me more than the average wrestler just because they have more mass on them. And mine is more of like less mass. So it's like going more to my bones. You know what I mean? Mm, so, man, um, crazy. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Any chance I can try to help out my body, I, I absolutely take it. So is there a way you can gain mass? Is it like, is I like ideas like going to the gym or something or it's not, or it's, oh yeah, it's that's like just gaining muscle. Is that, is that the issue? Like you just need to gain muscle mass? I believe it's just like any mass possible that's willing to protect my uh, bones, whether it's muscle or fat, whichever. Um, but I just, I try to eat as much as I can. I'm in the gym almost every day. Um, just really trying to like build mass on myself and just like really fill out, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, you know, wow, I, I didn't want it to be like a therapeutic session, but now I have a question just coming in now. When you do these shows, everyone expects Nick Wayne, you know, everyone's saying that you're the, the next Osprey, you're the younger version, that you do all these crazy stuff. How is that for the mind now, knowing that like you don't really want to, as much as you want to please the audience in every match, it's like you don't want to do week because you wrestle like three times in one week and that is a case and it's like you can't be doing flippy dippy stuff every night injuring your back neck like i'm trying to understand like what's your mindset when it's like how do i give the people nick wayne but not do it enough for me to get injured and then not give other people that you know spotlight right um so i did realize a few months ago that The more I kept on doing stuff like this, the more I kept showing aerial offense and doing like these crazy things to my body, I realized that if I keep doing this, like you said, people are going to think, okay, this is Nick Wayne. When I come to see Nick Wayne, I expect to see this, Mm -hmm. which when it hit me, I was like, man, I really don't want to be doing like hard bumps every match. You know what I mean? But um, now I kind of look at it as like... um, if I kind of have my set things that I do, kind of like my move set, I guess you could say, as long as you see those signature moves from Nick Wayne, you're getting everything that like Nick Wayne does. You know, you're getting the Nick Wayne like package mm-hmm. is when you see those signature moves. Um, so I not a lot of my moves really take like a big wear and tear on my body. They can, but I've kinda, I do them at like almost every match. Um, but when it comes to the big bumps on my body, whether that be on the apron or something off the top rope or something on the outside. Um, I, I don't do it necessarily every match, but before my mentality was like time and place, you know what I mean? When it's the big show, when it's the big match, you know, all right, we can take a crazy bump here. But now I feel like 
I do very like um, high level shows with a lot of talk about them. Shows like GCW, Defy, VXS, etc. Um, then it's like worth it. You know what I mean? So these bumps are definitely like worth it. And it's like, I, I hear they will catch up to you pretty fast in the long run, which I absolutely do believe because they'll catch it up to me a little bit right now. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. Um, but nothing, nothing that's going to affect me like now or long term. There's no, no, we're all good. Right. Mm. Like, like that. Um, but yeah, I kind of just time and place. Um, but I make sure that you still see those signatures and you still see everything you want to see from Nick Wayne at a wrestling show. Yeah, it's, that's perfectly uh, said, and that's how it should be. You know, you should have an arsenal, and every time there is that, you know, big match, then you can, like, do a spot that definitely makes the crowd go up. You know, you just had a match against Alex Zane. You had a match this weekend uh, for the Ric Flair's last match. You had a fatal forward. You had a bunch of stuff, so we'll definitely talk about that just a little bit later. But let's talk about, you know, a couple, couple companies you brought up, VXS, Defy, Progress. You know, progress is where you managed to get a title match for with Christopher Daniels, right? You didn't, right? That was the that was the title match, right? Uh, that was at Defy. Defy. Okay, my bad. Yes. Defy. You're good. You got the title match, and that's when uh, you got the contract for All Elite, correct? So, yes. talk, so let's talk about that because I know that's like a big thing. Let's definitely talk about it. Um, did you know any of that was gonna happen? You know, after the match or anything like that. I had nothing. I, I didn't even know Darby was present, like in Seattle. Period. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Having it be Darby to hand you the contract was that a bigger deal than uh, anyone else that could have given you the contract? Was there any like specific reason that Darby came out? That's what I'm trying to. I'm trying to understand that. Yeah. So um, Darby was trained under my father, mm-hmm. and uh, so I was there for Darby's like very first wrestling training, like his very first time ever stepping in a ring. I was able to see it. Uh, he walked in his first day with toy cars, like super glued to his head. Um, <laughs> like the, the crazy person that you see Darby is, isn't just like an act or a character. Like that's really who Darby is. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, so I, I kind of grew up around Darby. Me and him trained for years and years. He was there when I was training the very first time when I was like nine. And, um, yeah, I got I I refed like his first few matches as well. That's awesome. Um, All right. Yeah. <laughs> so I saw Darby's entire like day one until where he is now. So it being him to hand me the contract like meant so much more than like just like just it, like being handed to you, being handed to me from him just like meant the world to me just because of like the whole journey we've been together. He was there when my father passed and like uh just being with Darby that entire ride, I think, is, like, what makes it such, like, a sentimental feeling that it came from him. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I, I didn't know that, but that's really awesome that they managed to orchestrate it like that for Darby to give it to you. So what was the, if you want to share this, I know something should be, like, left unsaid, but what was the energy when you got into the back? You know, because having a contract like that is a very big decision. I'm sure your head was spinning literally because we had a match right before that. So explain to me what was in, going through your head right after that match in the locker room. Um, well, when I got to the locker room, um, I first came to the locker room and right there, there was a big group of people and they were all giving a round of applause, right? Guys, like it was like Darby and Joey Janela. Uh, Christopher Daniels, um, some other Defy favorites like Cody Chun, Titus Alexander, my mom. Um, so just being like, just like 
hugging everyone and then being like, congratulations, dude, you did it. Like, this is crazy. Like, no one's ever done this before. It was like hearing different comments from everyone is when it was like, because I'm still like running off of adrenaline from this match, you know? I still need to like calm down. But hearing all these thoughts from different people, it was like, man, this is like, this is so just crazy. Like, the, the big one was people were like, this has never been done before. I was like, man, this is like, I started, when I hugged my mom and my best friend, I started crying, like, it was a very, very big moment. Um, yeah, I started to tear up. I, I cried when I hugged my mom. And then, um, yeah, it was just a group, big group of people all, like, applauding, congratulating. All, like, my closest friends were there. So it was just, it was, like, a beautiful moment for me. Did your mom know about it? Did your mom know about the contract? Did they at least share that with, they didn't share that with her at all? So you, no one no. knew. No <laughs> one knew. Oh, interesting. Wow. All right. Yeah. So so did you did they give you did they give you time or did you like sign it as you were there was it just one of those things where it's like you didn't want to think about it obviously you know no one's ever gotten a contract age of 16 so was it just one of those things where like you knew you had to sign it because it's just never been done before um i well i obviously i wanted to sign it because mm. aw was where i wanted to be when i turned 18 like if i had to sign a contract anywhere right now it would be aw mm. so i knew once he handed it to me i was like all right this is where i want to be i'm gonna sign it you know what i mean so once i got to the back it was like a very big brief talk um very private um read the entire contract read every word on the paper um a lot of stuff that you know like very privacy stuff but mm -hmm. um i did sign the paper on the spot yes so when i do turn 18 it'll be uh it'll be going yeah <laughs> that's awesome and you know you shared with me and i think i'm about to bring it up that you've been in the aw you know uh places like you've been in, inside the shows and all that watching what do you do right now as of right now what do you do for aw um so as of right now since i'm not allowed to um perform on dynamite rampage dark um i'll go there and uh, at first it was just like kind of like meeting everyone getting to really like know the scene know like the setting and everything um but now it's kind of like learning uh tv wrestling learning production just learning how the way aw does things on like a very big tv aspect versus an independent aspect mm -hmm. just two different worlds um so just kind of learning the transition from independent wrestling to TV wrestling is kind of what we're getting, what we're doing right now. So once I turn 18, I'll kind of know how to do everything. So then um, once it's time to go and do matches, then there won't be like, a, hopefully there won't be like an issue with anything because they taught me it uh, while I was 17. All right. And what were some of the differences right now with TV wrestling, in your opinion, as you're just being a person who gets to watch it? What's the difference? That you, were there lessons that you're learning at the moment? Uh, camera work is a good one. Like, uh, obviously, on the independence, we have cameras as well and live streams. But this is on like a televised network. Mm -hmm. um, so there's uh, there's like commercials and whatnot during it. And like we're on a time frame on TV. Um, so camera work, production, um, those are kind of the biggest ones. Yeah. Because on like a, a live stream on an independent show, it's kind of, we have this time frame, but it's just do whatever, you know what I mean? This is like a very more like we are in a time frame. We can't go past this time frame, you know, like, uh, AW on the West coast is five to seven. And once it hits seven o'clock, the show's over, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Um, so just, as, um, 
What's up? As you're there, do you train? Do you do any type of training as you're there, or are you not allowed to do any training? Uh, I have appeared at uh, the Nightmare Factory before. Mm -hmm. um, a year ago, actually, I was at that Nightmare Factory. Um, got to train there a little bit. Um, but yeah, that's about it. It's just the, the Nightmare Factory, yeah. And who was teaching you? Was it QT? Was it Cody? Was it uh, different uh, different people? Who was teaching you? QT the was there, yeah. All right, that's awesome. Really cool. So let's talk about GCW because that's a company that when I started watching GCW, that was during COVID, during its highest point, during the summer. That's when GCW, I think, really became a, like a big, big deal because they were still running shows. Everyone was still at home trying to watch something. And GCW was one that was doing it either backyard or with no fans. Um, how did you find GCW? Or better yet, how did they find you? Um, I'll answer both those questions for you. <laughs> um, so how did I find GCW? I found GCW a few, a few years ago. And I believe the first full show I watched was one of their Acid Cup tournaments on IWTV. And once I watched that full show, I was like, man, this, this shit is crazy. So then I just, I watched every GCW show that was on IWTV and I was just hooked from there. I got hooked on the guys on the roster. I got hooked on the product, the way they did their shows, how just like crazy and ecstatic it was. And I was like, this is like the place to be. And, um, yeah, so once I discovered what GCW was, I knew that that was like a independent goal of mine. And I was like, I need to get to GCW like whenever I can. And um, the way GCW discovered me was um, about June of last year, I, um, I did this show called Relentless Wrestling in Spokane, Washington. Mm -hmm. It was their first show ever. And... Um, in my match, I did this thing called the Sasuke special. Um, and that, uh, someone posted it online and ended up blowing up all over Twitter. And Brett Lauderdale saw it, the uh, owner of GCW. And uh, he followed me right after my match. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. And then the next day, I woke up and I had messages from three different people saying, yo, you guy, Brett Lauderdale wants to get a hold of you. How does Brett get a hold of you? Brett wants you. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. So then uh, I found out the way to get him, get to him, uh, to reach contact to him was through Facebook Messenger. And at the time, I didn't have Facebook nor Facebook Messenger. So I got Facebook to specifically message Brett. And um, yeah, we, we started talking and like immediately right off the bat, he was like L.A. and Chicago. He was like, I want you. Let's do it. I was like, all right, let's do it. And uh, I made my debut for GCW. Um, it's going to be a year ago tomorrow. Really? Actually, I don't know when this, I don't know when this is gonna be posted, but I did make my <laughs> debut for GCW on August 6, two thousand and twenty-one. That's freaking awesome, man! Congrats, dude! That's so cool. A year ago. Thank so you so much. Wow. So yeah, let's let's talk about that because there's a lot to impact. So you did a Sasuke special. You know, the only person I really know who did that's Osprey. That's one of one of his moves in the arsenal. Wow, that's that's freaking, and it's not an easy move to do at all. And you got discovered because of social media, because of Twitter. So that just shows the power of how much social media has when they post anything like that. That's, it's a, it's really crazy because there was a point where that wasn't as strong. Social media wasn't as strong, wasn't as easy to get booked for things. And now at the age of, you were 16 when you did that? Yes. 16. And you I was, did I was, I was 15, 15 when I did it actually. 15. Okay. Yes. So 15 and then you got, uh, 
a message from Brett or you and Brett started talking to come to GCW, which is now literally probably the biggest independent company right now. Like, it's amazing. That's awesome to hear. So, yeah, wow. Okay, we're, okay. so GCW happened. What's your thoughts on GCW when you first got in there? Because it's very different. And that's the good thing. They want they want to be different. And that's what people love about it. That it's for everybody. It's different. It has it's everything you want in it. When you got there, I don't know what you were expecting when you were going to wrestle for GCW. What was it that you were expecting when you got in there? Um. Well, I, I kind of knew everyone that was at the show or on the show. And I was like very blessed to have shared a locker room with them and i knew there was going to be a lot of pressure going into the show um i had new gear for it i had a million ideas for it and um i was just wanted to perform my best of my ability so i became like uh another superstar on their roster and i remember um i was gearing up for the show and i got everything on i did my pre-match rituals and i remember uh, the show started, and I peeked through the curtain, and I just saw crowds of people. And I believe at that show there was a thousand people, and I, that was my biggest crowd I've ever done at the time. And I remember looking around, and my stomach just like, or my heart just sunk into my stomach. I was like, "Oh my goodness!" And I just got so nervous, um, just because I wanted to impress everyone in the locker room. I wanted to impress Brett. I wanted to impress all the fans, and I just I put so much like. Uh, pressure on myself going into that match but i mean i i think it worked because i'm still here with gcw um <laughs> oh no it definitely but, uh, worked it definitely 100 worked. yeah yeah so to be to be able to share a locker room with those people and to be able to perform at that stage at that time was just so like such a blessing to me like i couldn't believe i was there so let's talk about this. In one year, you managed to have so many matches, and then you managed to have singles matches as well. You had six men, you had everything you could think of in GCW. Then I started putting you in matches with Mike Bailey, Bendito, you know, guys like Osprey. What is that? And we'll get to that. We'll get to the Osprey because that's its own thing. But what does that mean to you when it's like, obviously you needed to, you know, tell, show them what you could do, and that takes a process. But in one year, you managed to be one of those high flyers that they have, because they have a lot of, everyone's different, they have a good amount of high flyers. That's what GCW is also very known for. It's craziness, it's amazing. So you had to always show that you're different. You have to show that you can be a main eventer. And with that, you solely did by getting these matches. What does that mean to you? That throughout this, throughout the year, you managed to go from being you know, one of those guys to becoming a guy that they need to now put in a main event or with a main eventer. Man, I I definitely love that I got to go through every stage in GCW, honestly. I'm very glad that I got to climb the ladder from the bottom, um, from doing, like, the scramble matches, the, the crazy tests that were, like, the six-man tags against SGC, the second gear crew, you know, just doors and chairs everywhere. I'm glad I got to go through that stuff. I got, I'm glad I got to go through the singles matches with some of their like best guys, some of their pillars of GCW. Um, but to be able to climb the ladder is just like, I'm very blessed I got to go through everything. And uh, to now being one of their main guys on their roster, a guy that when GCW comes to your town, you know Nick Wayne will be there. Um, it's just like such a blessing, man, to be able, like like we were saying earlier, that I would watch GCW and be like, man, I have to be at GCW. It was a big goal of mine. And now to being there on every one of their shows 
it's just like so mind-blowing to me you know i i really like sit down and think about that stuff sometimes and it's like man this is like such a crazy ride like it's it's it really blows my mind like thinking that i watch their shows and being like i just i want to do one show that's like I, that's my goal is i need to do it at least once and now i've done it like so many times it's just like i'm so blessed and like gcw is my new family now everyone there is just like such a bond we have with everyone is like every and we are all a family. GCW is like a huge family. We always look out for each other. And yeah, I'm very, very happy and honored that I get to be a part of that family. So I got to ask, and if there's something you don't want me to mention, I'll always cut it. With AEW, you know, it's not a commitment. So when you do sign in one year, I mean, I mean, when you do finally go there and wrestle in one year, is it going to take a toll from your GCW contract, from how you wrestle on GCW? As every show comes out, everyone expects Nick Wayne to be there. Will that become more of a shift when you turn 18? Possibly. Um, I know you see some AEW guys still appear on independent shows, um, but I that's something that I have to find out once I turn 18, so I'm not sure yet. But... Um, I'm trying to make the most of it as I can right now. I have about 300-something days left on the independence, so every match I have, I just want to make the most of it, you know, um, in this last year. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So we got to talk about, you know, tag team. I want to see you and Jordan Oliver with tag team gold. I think that's something that has to happen. I would love to see it against Alex Zane and Blake Christian. I guess I know you guys had that match, but I know we need another one. I, I know I want to see, you know, generations fight. It's amazing to see that. So that's something I definitely want for you. But before we talk about that, I do want to talk about some of your other matches that you had, you know, with Swerve. And I know you were supposed to have a sequel, but we'll talk about why it didn't happen or whatever. And we, I know you wrestled Joey Janela. And those two were really, really big matches that got me to loving you and what you do and, and how you wrestle. Because it's just amazing, you know, what you did with those guys. So talk to me about the Joey Janela match. Talk to me about the Swerve match. Because those were five-star classics in my book. Ah, oh, thank you so much, man. Thank you. Um, so the Joey Janela one um, was in either October or November of 2021. Um, but that match, whoo, that match at the time, or maybe even till this day, was one of my, like, hardest and biggest tests in independent wrestling or in my career so far. Um, just because Joey was, like, one of those guys where when you know you got in the ring with Joe, you know you're going to be tested. You know you're going to be pushed to your limits. You're going to be pushed and doing things that you're not normally doing. You know, he, he just pushes you to a level and of like a capability that you didn't know you had. Um, so having that match with Joey definitely like gave me a really big boost in the on the independence. I give Joey a lot of credit for helping me out. Um, that match ended up being the Fives match of the year of 2021. Um, and, uh, just th that match with Joey was just so crazy, man. We did a lot of stuff in that match that would like uh, the average like person wouldn't do, you know I mean? We did a Spanish fly off the second rope onto the floor. It was like stuff like that is just like crazy, but Joey pushes you to that level, pushes you to a, like really like bring something out of you. You didn't know you had, um, but yeah, that match with Joey, one of my favorite matches till this day, absolutely in the top three. Um, so yeah, I thank Joey a lot for that match. It really did a lot for me in my career. Um, and same with the Swerve one as well. Two matches that like uh, 
people still talk about till this day and it's just like man it's like so crazy i'm very glad i got to have those matches um the one with swerve was a very uh emotional match in my opinion um like very emotionally investing in the crowd um and that was our first time ever meeting in the ring it was his first defy match back um when back on the independence i believe I may be wrong. His first match back on the independence period mm-hmm. at the time. Um, but yeah, just to be able to share the ring with those guys and like, they really pushed me to new limits and new heights. And um, I'm, I'm just blessed. And I really thank Defy for giving me those opportunities and letting me show myself to those guys. I give them a lot of credit for helping me out in this business. Yeah, you brought up a lot of, you know, things that you and Janela did and how Janela brings a lot out of you. There's one move that I don't really see a lot, but it looked amazing. It was a very small thing where you, like, swept the leg and he hit the turnbuckle. That move, that was so clean. When I saw the move, I was, I was very amazed at just how clean that move went. I really loved it. And then it was a speech afterwards, too, that Janela gave to you about how he's going to take care of you and how, you know, I think to this day, you know, he managed to prove that by giving you the Osprey match. I remember it was during spring break, he asked you what you want to face. Obviously scheduling didn't work out for spring break, but you still got it. So it's it's amazing to know that even with the independence scene, when it's not televised, it's real. The, the conversations, mm-hmm. the speeches, it's all real. And with Swerve, it's a lot like um, passing a torch type of thing. Swerve, you know, is a veteran. And I feel like you need that second match because you were this close to beating him. And I think he knows that. And I think it would have been really cool to get the second one. So what happened? Why was there no second match? So we were originally planned uh, when I made my progress debut, when I made my UK debut a few weeks ago, um, I was scheduled to wrestle Swerve. And that would be in our second match together. Um, But due to flight issues and like unfortunate events like out of our control just it wasn't possible to happen we had it happen but due to like delayed flights that would lead to missed connection flights Mm -hmm. uh it just it wasn't possible we found out the the night before and um yeah but i ended up facing uh one of progress's top guys robbie x and he's a very very incredible talent they asked me like that morning they were like are you okay with facing robbie x and i was like absolutely I love to face Robbie X. Um, he was one of the guys that when I went to progress, I was like, I need to make sure I wrestle him at some point. Um, so I'm very glad I got to share my first ever progress and UK match with Robbie. But um, we're definitely planning to get me and Swerve uh, the the second round at some point, um, hopefully in progress as well. I think that's the plan. That's awesome. And let's talk about something that they were briefly talking about on GCW. The commentary table was talking about it. There was an issue with one of your flights that you were, you had a delay. I I want to know what happened there. What what, what happened over there? Because they said something, but like I didn't get a chance to really hear much about it. But it was just the fact that you were stuck somewhere, and then you like the fact that you got to GCW was you know very rare. Like, people didn't think you were actually going to make it on time. What what happened over there on your flight? So my returning flight home went from London to Germany, mm-hmm. then Germany to Seattle. Uh, London to Germany was smooth. We made it to Germany. Germany to Seattle. Um, a few hours into the flight, they said on the intercom that there was an emergency on the plane and we need to land it immediately. And then um, after deboarding and being held in a military hangar for about two hours, 
and very, very brief security that came with like taking everything out of your bag, looking through everything briefly through every single passenger on the plane, I believe held about 260 something people on the plane, every one of their bags. Um, we ended up being stranded in Iceland due to a bomb threat on our airplane. Wow. Um, yeah, so on the plane, somebody wrote um, bomb on plane on the mirror in the restroom and um, the flight attendant saw it and they said, we need to land this immediately. And um, yeah, we ended up being stranded in Iceland for about 18 hours. Um, they, the airline gave us a place to stay. They took us to a hotel, um, brought us back to the airport the next day and we ended up hopping on a returning home flight from Germany to Seattle. Um, that one made it smooth. Um, but yeah, once I got at home, uh, I left about six hours later to head to Nashville for GCW. Um, so yeah, that was very crazy. Um, my first time going overseas for like that being the tragic, uh, thing that happened. Mm -hmm. It was just like, that's pretty like crazy, like a crazy story to tell that like my first time overseas, there was a bomb threat on my plane home. It's like not something you normally hear. No, not at all. Wow. Are you, were you shaken up at all? I mean, were you by yourself or were you with someone when you were on the plane? Uh, I was with my mom, but uh, okay. the whole process from deboarding the plane, uh, the patting us down, taking us to the hangar, all that stuff, we had, they never told us there was a bomb threat on the plane. They never what? informed us. Really? Yeah, they never informed us kind of on what was going on until we got all of our belongings back and then we started to see news articles about what was going on. Wow, that's that's insane. Wow. Yeah, so the whole time during this like eight hour process where it's just like crazy security stuff is going on and we're like we don't know why this is happening. We know it's an emergency, but we don't know what's going on. Were you terrified? Were you shaken up not knowing? Like I mean I, I'm not gonna lie to you, I would be. I, I already like I'm not a fan of flying, I gotta fly if I have to, but it's like I would be shaken up knowing that I fly all the time and all of a sudden this one time I'm being like patted down, my bag is being open, all my stuff is gone. Like, were you were you terrified at all? I was very terrified from the jump because we deboarded the plane from the back of the plane, still oh. on the runway, by the way. Um, so we're just like on the runway, there's just like grass and like stuff around us, like not an airport to be seen, right? We just mm -hmm. like just landed the plane and stopped. Um, but I was very shook at first because when we deboarded the plane, there was just numbers of cops everywhere with these ginormous guns and they're like i need everyone to put their bags on the floor right now we need to pat everybody down and it's just hearing that from these guys it's just like oh my god what's going on you know mm -hmm. and you're like freaking out you're like okay yeah yeah let me take this off you know what i mean it's like such a scary experience like it was some very intense security after that and then uh yeah grabbing everyone one by one and being like choose your bag you take your bag and they have to look through everything it's just like it was a very scary like scary experience yeah and this was all the same weekend of when you're supposed to wrestle three matches right you're supposed to wrestle Takeshita, rick flair's last match and gcw right all that was supposed to happen yeah i still did all of them wow. yeah wow that's crazy were you worried that that wouldn't happen were you worried that this would affect your your weekend were you worried anywhere about that i was yes because at the time i didn't know when i was gonna go home mm -hmm. uh I remember when we landed, they said, there's no more flights going to Seattle today. At that time, I was like, I don't know when I'm going to go home because I had to get on a plane. So this all happened on a Monday and I had to get on a plane on a Tuesday to go to Boston 
for AEW and then go from Boston to Nashville on Thursday. So I knew that I had to get to Boston to get to Nashville to make my matches. And I knew once I was stranded in Iceland for the night, I said, I, when I get home, I won't be able to make my flight to Boston, which means I won't be able to make my flight from Boston to Nashville. Mm -hmm. So then I started freaking out. I'm like, how am I going to get to these matches? But I ended up getting home safely on Tuesday afternoon, and we ended up rescheduling the flight. And um, I made it there Wednesday morning to Boston, still got on the same flight from Boston to Nashville, and still uh, competed against uh, Kanosuke Takeshita, Alex Zane, and uh, appeared on Ric Flair's last match. That's awesome. All right, so let's, let's definitely talk about this because we have so much to talk about. I recorded with Takesh also right before that match, and we talked about you, and he talked about, you know, how, what he thinks of you and all that. So I want to hear your uh, side of it now. Wrestling someone like Takesh who normally does not come to the U.S., did a lot of stuff in DDTs and came here for the excursion and wanted to wrestle you, um, what was your, your thoughts on that? Um, so seeing Takeshita's kind of experience and his matches he's had on his U uh, United States um, kind of loop right now, I knew going into it that this was going to be a very big match. Um, I was there live for Takeshita versus Speedball Mike Bailey at West Coast Pro, and everyone in the locker room was watching the monitor just like, oh my goodness, like this is like magic to our eyes. And um, seeing Takeshita, obviously, on AEW and um, all of his other matches he's had on the independence, I knew I was going to get pushed to another level. And um, uh, like you said, Takeshita being a very big part of DDT, um, I am a very huge fan of all types of Japanese wrestling. DDT, uh, Noah, Dragon Gate, New Japan. Um, I was very excited for this match. Um, I wore the same gear against Takeshita I wore against Will Ospreay. Um, so kind of like a, a big fight feel geared to me. And, um, yeah, I knew I was just going to get pushed to, like, another level and he was going to bring something out of me, kind of like Joey and Swerve did. And he absolutely did. And, uh, yeah, so I was, I was very excited going into the match, very, a lot of pressure going on to myself. But we, we put on an amazing match. Um, that match is now available on Fight TV. And, um, yeah, it was, it was incredible, one of my favorite matches. And you wrestled him twice, so we'll get to the second part. So now let's talk about GCW, because that happened before. So, if I'm not wrong, because it's hard to keep track anymore, you wrestled Zane in a tag match only, correct? You never wrestled Zane in singles action, right? Um, I wrestled Alex Zane in a singles match a few months ago for GCW in Ohio. Okay, so this is the second match you guys had. Okay, and this time you picked up a victory. This time, did you pick up the victory last time? Yes. So it's 2-0 on Alex Zane right now. That's amazing. So someone like <laughs> Alex Zane, who is also insane, an amazing high flyer, an amazing wrestler, how is it like to get in the ring with him and, and doing and keeping up with his pace and, and keeping up with yours? Um, Alex Zane is one of those guys where I think me and him mesh very well in the ring together. Uh, very similar styles, um, very similar people. We're both kind of like tall. Um, but I think we mesh very well in the ring together. Our styles just clash in, like, a way that I feel like we can, like, really, like, make the crowd feel something or really make the crowd's, like, jaw drop. And, mm -hmm. like, um, I love sharing the ring with him whenever I get to. So I'm hoping we get to wrestle again sometime soon. Um, I love every time, every time I get to wrestle Alex Zane. And, um, 
yeah, he's he's incredible. I like I love seeing all the stuff he did. He just did a lot of stuff recently in Japan and Australia. Um, so yeah, Alex Zane, that's that's my guy. Yeah, he was number one trending during the Best of Super Junior. Japan loved it. Yeah. It's amazing. And I also want to bring up, you know, Blake Christian. He came on also. We saw, we spoke about you. I don't know if you got a chance to listen to that. But he spoke about you. We talked about it. And I'm curious what it's like wrestling him. You know, he's also a guy who put everything into GCW, did the work, managed to be just like you, climb that ladder, and then get to that title match against Moxley. And it was by far... His, his, probably his best match I've ever seen. It, he nailed it. Talk to me about that. Talk about wrestling someone like Blake Christian as well. Um, so just like Alex Zane, I wrestled Blake Christian two times in singles action now. Uh, the first time being in December of 2021 for Defy. And the second time being in, I believe, February. Mm-hmm. Of this year for GCW in Los Angeles. Um, but Blake Christian, man, he... He is going to test you when he's in that ring for sure. His his speed, his athleticism, his go 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 like mentality. He's going to push you. You know, you gotta you gotta keep up with him. You know, what I mean, he's not going to slow down for you. You got to keep up with him. Um, but he's another one that I'm like very highly influenced by him and his work. And like to be able to be there live, like you were saying, for him and Moxley was just so crazy. And I believe that's one of his best matches as well. And um, yeah, he's just, he's on another level, in my opinion. That's another one of my closest friends in wrestling. But, yeah, he's hes the man. That's another one of my boys. He's just on another level. <laughs> yeah, he told me, everyone's family told me, you know, you, Jordan Oliver, Alex Zane, you guys are all such good friends. And it was really amazing to see. It's such a small detail, but if you're a big fan enough, you'll notice it. He wore your shirt at the Ric Flair finale when Ric Flair was, you know, after the match and everything. That was really cool to see just the support there because you wrestled that night. So let's talk about that match. You had three opponents, Alan Angels. You had Takeshita, Konosuke Takeshita, and you had Jonathan Gresham. Um, talk to me about that match. Like, what was going through your head before you got out, before you were getting in the curtain, before you were in the back, going through the curtains, and then after? Um... Before the match, when we pulled up to the arena, I got nervous instantly. My I got butterflies in my stomach, and I was just a lot of nerves like really hit me, and I didn't know what to expect, kind of the setting of what this place would look like. But once I arrived, I I walked into the arena, I walked down the hallways, and I saw the opening to the ring, and I looked, and I just see stands and a million seats in a ring with a bunch of spotlights on it in this huge stage and i was like oh my goodness and that that was my biggest show i've ever done i believe there was eight thousand people in attendance um but to me going into the match i just like a lot of my other matches i feel like i say this a lot i put a lot of pressure on myself going into it um i I think i put a lot of pressure on myself going into every match just because i like to perform the best i can Mm -hmm. um try to give them my best match possible. Um, but this this match was, like, a lot of pressure because I know this is Ric Flair's last match. Like, this is not something that we're going to see again. Like, this is like this is just his show. This is Ric Flair's last match. It's not something we're ever going to do again. Um, so I knew I had to try to stand out in some way on this show. And it also felt like to me that this it, – it felt to me like – I was at an AEW show Mm -hmm. and I was like, when I get to AEW, it's going to be something very similar to this, the state, like the big stages, the spotlight, the arenas, the 
thousands of people in attendance. Um, so I, I'm very glad I got to do that and be able to be a part of something so history-making like Ric Flair's last match and to have people there like The Undertaker and Bret Hart. Um, stuff like that is just doesn't happen often, you know what I mean? It's like a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, so I'm glad I, I got to be a part of like that night of history. Yeah, I wanna I wanna talk about that. You know, did you did you did Brett and Taker watch specifically your match? Were they already in the attendance when that happened? Did you see them? Because I know it's something that like I know you definitely peeked to see if, if they're if they're watching or whatever. Did you see, did you see them watching your match? Um. So funny funny story. I did not see Bret Hart until uh, Flair's last match when mm. he was in the front row, but Undertaker. Uh, I was getting prepared for my match. The match was on before me. I was by the production table. And I remember I was looking down at the ground, looking at my feet, kind of like rocking back and forth, you know? Mm-hmm. And I remember I looked up and I looked back down and I looked back up and Undertaker was sitting like two feet away from me. <laughs> and I was like, I didn't know he was there. That was my first time seeing like Undertaker there. And I remember just being like, oh my gosh, like that's the Undertaker. <laughs> um, so do I know if you watched my match? I'm not sure, but he was at the production, next to the production table watching the monitors. So possibly, but right before I went out, I saw The Undertaker like less than two feet away and just being like, oh my gosh, that's The Undertaker. <laughs> did, you, did you guys talk at all? Was there any conversation at all? Or was it just, you know, very to yourself, like this is my match, I'm gonna do my thing, let him do his thing. Or did you guys do, cause I don't know, I, I feel like someone like him would talk the younger generation a little bit give some advice i'm curious if you didn't have any conversation at all no conversation no because i uh i went on to my match very shortly after mm. that and once i got uh back i didn't see undertaker until uh rick flair's match so no we did not get to talk at all unfortunately but uh i hope to be able to talk and like get some of his knowledge like you said to a young talent like myself someday hopefully soon yeah, so talk to me when you got the call. That's something that I definitely want to know what you were feeling when they told you, hey, by the way, for Ric Flair's last match, you're going to be in this fatal four-way. What was going through your head, and, and how did you get the call? So one of the big like um, helpers or helping hands a part of the Ric Flair's last match is a very uh, kind of close friend to my family. Mm-hmm. And um, he introduced me to Conrad, um, and Conrad met me and he was like, yo, what's up, man? He was like, it's very nice to meet you. And he was like, I'd like you to like be a part of this huge show we're going to do soon. I was like, okay, I, I'd absolutely love to. I was like, yeah, like, like, uh, send me the date and all this. And he was like, yeah, it's, it's going to be Ric Flair's last match. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> and he was like, yeah. And he was like, I want you to be a part of the show. And originally I had a different match scheduled for the show, but then it turned into the fatal four-way that we were in. And I'm glad I got to be in the floor with with three other, like, such talented people like that and people that are, like, very highly praised in the professional wrestling world nowadays. And, um, yeah, so being able to be, like, a part of that show and him telling me, like, I want you to be a part of my show. I think you can really bring something special to the table. I felt very blessed that he trusted me with that. And I was just like, like, yes, sir, I will do the best of my ability for your show. Absolutely. Thank you so much. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> That's really cool. Now, I have a really important question for you, and I need you to really think about it, all right? You know, a lot that's been going on for, to you this past year, you know, it's unbelievable. 
And I know a lot of it's like it's been a dream come true. Multiple dreams have been coming true. Has it stopped feeling that way? Has is it now hitting you that this is reality now? Like this isn't no longer dream? Because I'm sure you every time you think, oh, this happened, nothing could be better than this, something else happens. Does it already feel like a reality? Do you already feel that this is it? I've definitely made it into the business where this have to be a dream for me to do this because at one point I'll be getting it. Or is it still like I can't believe I'm getting this? I can't believe I'm doing this. Where where are we at right now? Right now, it's definitely still like uh, I can't believe this is happening. <laughs> um, yeah, like like um, it really be hitting me sometimes. Like when I just sit down and think. Like sometimes I like sit there and I just like stare off into space and I think I'm like I like really got signed to AEW like I really wrestled Will Ospreay and like it's just like so like crazy to me like sometimes I don't even like believe it I'm like is this all just a really long dream you know and it's like man like this is so crazy that this is all happening because like my my dream in all of wrestling was to wrestle Will Ospreay like that that was it to me it's just I, I need to wrestle Will Ospreay and um like you said when you talked with Will you heard about kind of injuries he was affecting or things kind of affecting his body. Once I heard that, I got very nervous that maybe I wouldn't be able to share the ring with Will one day. And maybe, like, he, there was going to be a time that he would be done and I never got the match. But being able to get the match at such a young age, I was just like, man, like, this is just, like, once-in-a-lifetime things. I, I, I can't believe this is happening. I can't believe this happened. So, uh, yeah, definitely still, like, head over heels just like so shocked at what's going on like a very wide eye like oh my gosh this is crazy <laughs> so let's talk about it because i can't wait anymore i definitely want to talk about it will osprey and you you know the show was i never liked you right that was the show gw amazing show i really really wanted to be there sadly i mean not sadly it was my brother's wedding and i had, and i was best man so i had to but I did buy it. I did watch it literally at the wedding ceremony. I was watching it afterwards. <laughs> I had to just because I've been a huge fan of yours. I've been a huge fan of his. And this is something that the world needed to see. You know, and I know that it was huge for you. So let's just talk about it. Let's just talk about when you heard that this match was actually going to happen. When I first heard it was going to happen. So... The first kind of hint was, uh, I believe me and Brett were talking. And uh, when it came to June 19th, I was like, what's going on? Like, June 19th. And he was like, it's your match. And I was like, what do you mean? And he was like, this is your, he's like, it's going to be your match. And I was like, I was like, does he know that like Will Ospreay is like my dream match? So I was just told him, I was like, all right, like, let's do it. Thank you so much. And then Will Ospreay got announced for the show, and I was like, oh, man. And a lot of people have heard that, like, me and him were going to wrestle at spring break, but like you said, due to, scheduling. like, scheduling stuff, wasn't able to happen at spring break. So once he got announced, everyone was like, give him the nick. Please give him the nick. We need, like, what we were supposed to get at spring break. And once the match got announced and it hit the Internet, uh, I saw GCW tag me in a post. I opened it and my jaw dropped. I like dropped my phone. I was like, no way this is happening. And um, yeah, so he, he kind of gave the hint, but I didn't know if he really knew that like that was my dream match. 
but obviously he did. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, just like seeing when GCW tagged me in a photo and opening up the notification and seeing that was the match graphic, I was just like, oh man, like this is this is happening, like this is crazy. And yeah, it was. Whew, that was kind of like when I when I found out for sure. That's awesome. So I gotta I gotta ask you all the questions that I'm sure people have not asked you yet, and something maybe you won't want to show and keep to yourself, but. I gotta know, you know, when the day of the show is there, I'm sure you and him met up. I'm sure you and him rehearsed a lot of what you were gonna do. You know, I'm a I'm a backstage correspondent for a lot of independent shows, so I see how wrestlers, you know, train for their match mentally, how they like talk about what they do and what how things are gonna happen. So I was curious what the conversation was, because I'm sure you guys have never spoken outside of that unless it was like, on social media or something. I would love to know what was going through your head. What were you guys talking about? At least things that you would like to share. And then some things I'm sure you want to keep to yourself. Yes. Um, so I've never spoken or met or seen Will Ospreay um, until that day. Um, but I can say, and this is an absolute fact, me and Osprey never rehearsed anything mm -hmm. that happened. Mm -hmm. We never practiced nothing we never did nothing um it was kind of just like we're gonna get in there and see what's up and um we meshed very well in the ring together um yeah nothing was really like um like rehearsed i would say or like practiced or like we never touched the ring before the show um but being like there beforehand people were like because some people would come up to me and they'd be like, dude, why are you like so nervous right now? And I was like, because this is like my dream match. I'm like wrestling Will Austin, this is crazy. They're like, I've never seen you this nervous before. And I was like, I'm like, this is crazy to me. Um, so like the, the, the pre-match ritual was just like so mind-blowing. I was just like, all right, you need to chill out. You know what I mean? Just like calm down, like get the heart rate down. Um, but when the match before me was going on, I was just, I couldn't stop pacing, man. It was just like, whew, I was like, this is really about to happen. And then the bell rung, the match before us, the bell rung that it was over. And that's when the, that's when the nerves hit me the most. But since this is like the dream match, I've never felt nerves like this in my life. So, whew, yeah, it was, it was something crazy, man. So let's talk about after the match. He gave a phenomenal speech. It was hilarious that everyone had, it had its moments. A lot was going on. What did it mean for you everything that he was saying, because again, you guys probably never spoke until that day, and obviously respect needs to be earned, and I definitely believe that speech was the respect speech, you know, that you that he gained your respect, and you gained his respect. What was going through your head at that time? It was, it was crazy, man. It was like, when he grabbed the microphone, I knew there was gonna be a speech, but I didn't know it was gonna be as like heartfelt as it was. Um, him saying, like, out of all the mistakes I've made in wrestling in my life, uh, if there's one thing I can remember, and that's the first time Nick Wayne shared the ring with his hero, I was like, man, like, this is so crazy to think that he would even, like, think of it like that, you know? And uh, he was saying, like, I heard going into this match that Nick Wayne idolizes Will Ospreay and stuff like that. So I think, like, he, he told me, he was like, man, like, he, like, just being like in that moment, I was like, I, I feel like he really feels like how I'm feeling about this. Like he really feels how much this match means to me. So he just like took it to another level just because of like how much 
he's inspired me and I think he really felt that giving off yeah and what yeah. was the talk in the back when the match was over anything that you would like to share but again he went off to Twitter too I'm sure would already after the match probably on his way back home already he went off to Twitter talking about how good you are also I'm sure you've seen that but was there any conversation because I know every speech is very emotional when it's in front of an audience, but I know it's much more heartfelt when it's in the back and it's personal. What Was there anything that he gave you, any advice that he gave you, anything specifically that you took away from that entire night after the match? Um, well, we obviously, I, I thanked him a million times. Um, I told him, I said, you you enjoyed the match like is this like is you enjoyed the match and he was like look at me i'm ecstatic <laughs> so i thought that was incredible and i was i i said is there anything i can do better is there anything that like i can work on and he was like no nothing he was like you're on another level and he was like he's like please he was like keep doing what you're doing don't ever stop and he was like you're on another level and he told my mom apparently my mom told me that he told my mom that he was like this is going to be like, your kid's going to be something like really special. And when my mom told me that, I was like, coming from Will Ospreay, that's just like a whole nother mentality than coming from anyone else, you know? Like mm -hmm. that being my hero, I was like, this is like so insane. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> that's awesome, man. That's so cool watching that match. Again, I feel like the match itself, the reason why it was so good is just because you them are amazing, but it's also because everyone knew how much that match meant to you. And I think it was even more special for him than any other match he can have, that the fact that because he meant that much to you, he wanted to go out there and do everything that he did with you in front of that audience and give the speech. That was amazing. That memory can never be taken away. That was a phenomenal moment. So incredibly happy for you. Definitely wanted to talk about that. That was insane. So let's talk about your schedule right now. Don't have to give any actual shows or anything, but what is your schedule looking like starting like next week? Like when, cause I know September's coming up. I know you're in your final year of high school, right? Senior year right now. Dude, that's awesome. I remember I was in high school. I didn't do shit any if I career <laughs> in high school. So it's, it's insane what you're doing. Okay, so I gotta ask, you're in high school, wrestling is at some point really cool when you're actually doing it, and I'm sure your friends get to see what you do. Are you also some kind of like a celebrity a little bit in your school? Not like a cool kid, but like in a way where it's like, yo, this guy, he's got fans. This guy, you know, you know, he's got fans, he's got people buying his merch, this and that. What is it like being in high school and being literally a celebrity to any wrestling fan I? Obviously, I'm sure a lot of kids in your school aren't crazy wrestling fans, but still being someone who has a fan base. Honestly, man, the kid, I don't think the kids really like under like they don't really like get it, you know what I mean? And I wouldn't say I'm like popular at school. Like, not, I wouldn't, yeah, no, I wouldn't say I'm popular at school, but the kids that do see it and know what I do, uh, they don't really like look at it the same way. Um, the way they see it is that it's all fake and choreographed and it's not real, mm -hmm. and it's like to them nothing's real and it's just like and but i i don't argue it i'm like y'all think what you want to think you know what i mean um but and like they they judge me a lot they make fun of me a lot but it's i don't ever let it affect me um but when i come to school on mondays and i'm kind of like 
I'm limping and I have marks all over me. People will even still try to tell me, they're like, dude, you're acting right now. I was like, why, why would I be acting at school? I'm like, why would I want to be limping and for fun? I'm like, how did I get these marks on me? Like, how do you like fake this? Um, so yeah, not a lot of them really understand it because a lot of them like judge me for it. Um, but I don't really, I don't let that judging ever get to me. I kind of use it as motivation, honestly, like use their hate as some type of fire to ignite me to get better. And um, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm not really like popular at school, kind of just like a, to myself, you know? I mean, you're still doing more than they could probably ever do at their age right now, but it is what it is. Let, let them think whatever they want to think. As long as you know what it is, and as long as you are biased with people around you that do appreciate what you do and don't call mm-hmm. it fake. So, man, we gotta, I got to talk about this too. So you're talking about limping, you know, getting injured, doing this. You know, when school hits for you, are you going to go back to classes and wrestle again? Or are you going to take somewhat of a break uh, for wrestling to just finish school? What's the process right now? Because school's coming up, right, in like less than a month or a little bit over. What's going on with the process of what you're planning to do for this year? Nothing. This, the wrestling schedule will stay the same. Yeah, yeah. Um... I didn't let, like, like, like I still wrestled every weekend. Uh, when I did school junior year, I never really took a break off of wrestling. And uh, that'll be the same for uh, this upcoming senior year. Yeah, mm. I just want to I'll, I'll keep my schedule the same. I'll still do the shows on all the weekends and uh, still maintain to get my assignments done, you know, do the test, get good grades. And, um, yeah, the wrestling schedule will still stay the same, yeah. That's awesome. So how was school for you? I, I always have to ask, ask this question because everyone thinks that, you know, school is easy, but for a lot of people, it may not be. And I'm curious, how has school been for you? You know, is that one, something that you enjoy doing, something you're good at, or is it something that is once in a while challenging and does take a toll on, of your mind and, you know, other ways? I'm not a big fan of school. Um, yeah, I'm just... I'm not really into it, you know. I, I like we I do these subjects because it's like a graduation requirement, mm-hmm. but I'm not really into any of them. Um, I really just want to like wrestle. Um, only thing that I think is beneficial for me so far in school, obviously, like everything is somewhat beneficial, but things that I got to choose on my own, uh, I chose to benefit me in wrestling. Mm-hmm. So, kind of my electives, the classes that I got to pick my own, I made sure that it had to do something with wrestling. So for instance, freshman year, uh, one of my electives was weightlifting. Mm-hmm. Is to just like uh, show me basic lifts and show me the proper form for lifts. So then when I start going to the gym, I know what I'm doing, I have proper form, I'm not hurting myself because I don't know uh, the proper technique to something. Um, another elective I took was, I took two years of Spanish in high school. So, because I'm very highly influenced by luchadors and lucha libre. Mm-hmm. So I want to be able to, uh, speak Spanish to the luchadors and be able to communicate with them just because I'm so fascinated by lucha libre. Um, yeah. Another one like business and financing, like, uh, just like learning how to handle your money smartly. Um, yeah, any any choice I get that can do something with wrestling, I definitely try to do it. But uh, all the other classes, like the math, the English, the history, I'm I'm not into it really. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, so I do want to talk about college again. I'm not trying to give you a whole boring lecture now, but what is your mindset for college? And I know AEW that is going to happen 
this year now. Well, th now it's going to be because you just turned 17. So as soon as you turn 18, AW starts becoming a reality for you. Are you going to try doing that and college, or are you going to finish high school and then go straight to wrestling? I'll finish high school and go straight to wrestling is the plan right now. Mm -hmm. All right. So I do want to end off with a, a few more questions. So one of them is you brought up Japan. You love all types of Japan wrestling. Since you're still able to do a lot of things right now in this final year, would you love to go do a tour with Japan? Absolutely. That's probably like my top goal right now in, in independent wrestling is in this next 11 months. Uh, to be able to do a tour with like with Dragon Gate or Noah or DDT, uh, that's definitely my goal right now. And uh, GCW is going to Japan very soon, as they announced. So I'm very, I'm really hoping I get to be a part of that tour with them. Uh, but to be a part of like a very big Japanese uh, promotion, uh, if I could do a tour with them, I would. Whew, that'd be crazy. That's that's my that's my goal right now. Yes. All right, and I have two more questions. The next one is, who do you want to face now? Now that you faced a lot of people that you really wanted to, including others that probably didn't even think you were going to face, who is still on your list? Before you get signed to AEW, I keep on saying before you get signed, before you start wrestling for AEW, who do you want to face in the independent scene before you go off? There's, ah, oh, man. I think a big one right now, someone I'm very influenced by is Amazing Red. Amazing okay. Red is one that I'm very uh, influenced by. I'd love to share the ring with him. Um, Dragon Lee is another one. Um, a very big one that I think will be a, like a huge stretch to get and also kind of referring to your question about me doing a uh, tour in Japan, Marfuji is one that I study almost every day. Uh, Marfuji's work, he's just like so incredible in the ring for like the years and decades he's been doing it. Um, and hopefully at some point in my career, I love to wrestle Kota Ibushi. That's awesome. Are you familiar with uh, House of Glory? Yes. Yeah, I would love to see you in House of Glory. That's a place where, you know, Red is, Marfuji's going to be there very soon, I think in like two weeks from now. So yeah, that's going to be really cool. I... I would love to see you versus Red. I can definitely see that match being insane. Same with the others, especially Kota Ibushi. Wow. All right, and now the next question, and the last question is, where do you still want to wrestle? You've, again, you've been to a lot of places already. What is the next destination for you that you want to go? Or the next few destinations, other than Japan, which we just spoke about? Uh, independent destinations okay as well? Yeah, yeah, anywhere. Um, PWG is one that I haven't performed for yet, but I'd absolutely love to. Uh, PWG introduced me to a majority of the independent wrestlers I know now. Uh, PWG is a promotion I started watching when I was eight years old. And uh, I had a wrestling student at my dad's school that would get us the full shows. And uh, I would watch these full shows and just be mind blown by the stuff that these guys were doing. And um, so yeah, PWG introduced me to a lot of people I know now at like a young or that I that introduced me to when I was young that I know now. Um, so I definitely love to do uh, PWG at some point. Um, maybe even participate in Battle of Los Angeles next year. That would be really cool. Um, Destination-wise for the future, um, I would love to spend some time in New Japan Pro Wrestling. 
Um, and a very big goal is compete in the best of super juniors. Um, I, that's a very big goal of mine, yes. Um, but AEW, since that's where I'm headed to once I'm 18, I would love to spend as much time as I can there. Um, do I love to do everything there is to do in AEW, uh, whether that be their world title, their TBS title, their tag team title. I don't want to do everything. I want to wrestle their top guys, Daniel Bryan, CM Punk. I, I want to do everything there is to possibly do in AEW. Um, yeah, and I also a very big one that I'm starting to do or that I've been doing these past few months, but I think it'll mean way, definitely mean a lot more when I'm older is give back to pro wrestling and give back to the younger guys in this business. Um, I really want to just like influence the younger guys. Like, well, like I know I'm kind of like at the very youngest right now being like 17, but once I'm older in like the twenties and thirties, I would just love if I could to maybe like coach or teach or just like be able to influence the younger generation of wrestling and like really give back and like what people now are doing with me, I would love to give back to the newer generation coming. Man, that's perfectly said. You, you went through literally all the boxes. That's awesome. You know, and I definitely know you're going to be a great teacher when you hit your 20s because it's, it's going to happen so incredibly fast that you're going to blink and you're already at that position. Because I remember, you know, when I was talking to Blake recently, I remember just talking about the same thing. Two years ago, him and Alex were just the newest up-and-comers who just made their backyarding debuts. And now they're already uh, helping the minds of fresh new talent, you know, including yourself. You know, and I could definitely see you doing the same. You're very knowledgeable. And it was just a pleasure speaking to you. How do people follow you? How do people support you? Where can we buy your merch? Where can we find you wrestling next? You know, from this week to next week, what's your schedule like? Tell me everything. Let the world know. Well, first off, thank you so much for having me, man. This has been so cool to be a part of your podcast and to be able to talk to you and put on this uh, for your fans. Like, thank you so much for having me. Um, places you can find me social media-wise on Instagram and Twitter at the Nick Wayne. Um, my merchandise uh, on stiffbladeapparel.com. You can find t-shirts, sweatshirts, sweatpants, baseball jerseys, hats, all, all types of different stuff. Um, places you can find me next. Um, August 13th and 14th, GCW is holding a homecoming in Atlantic City, New Jersey. Um, the West Coast Cup for West Coast Pro, uh, August 17th and 18th. Um, GCW Atlanta on August 20th. Um, I will be a part in September of GCW heading to the UK. I will be performing for GCW, TNT, and Progress Wrestling. Um, yeah, a lot of GC all, all the up upcoming GCW shows. And um, yeah, thank you guys so much for supporting me. Uh, thank you guys for all the support for me and my man here. Uh, thank you all so much for having me. Thank you for having me, man. It's been an honor. Thank you so much. Oh, man, the honor is all mine. Thank you so much for coming on the show. We'll see everyone next time. Thank you so much, Nick. Thank you, sir.